0: Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Drug Family Fugitives, Ghost Rider, Is Borden Back? Hi, I'm your co host, Crystal.
1: And I am your other co host, Robert. This is Reenacted and Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Crystal, you told me you got an interesting email.
0: Yeah, I got an email from a listener um, whose name I will not say because I feel like maybe this information was disclosed in somewhat confidence.
1: Yeah, I think I, I'm a, I feel a little bit sheepish. I apparently we've maybe been doxing our listeners
0: more than. Oh really? Did someone say something to you? No. um
1: Discussing it will only dox them further, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you off off mic.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Um, all right. Well, this, this is... A, a, I got an interest just this morning, right? As I was um, getting ready to record with you. And mm-hmm. um, so I don't know if you remember, but I don't know. Was maybe two or three episodes ago, we we were talking about the hat man. Oh, yes. I'm talking about the hat man,
1: the the thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I was saying how this is a common um, vision or apparition that people who have taken too much Benadryl (laughs) tend to see. (laughs) Okay. But it's also something that children see. And so I got this email from a listener this morning. Um, uh, So I'm going to read it. I'm not going to say this person's name. Email says, "Hey guys, the Shadow Man is real. ISTG. I I don't know what ISTG stands for. do You know what ISTG stands for?
1: What are the letters again? IS
0: is as in Sam. T is in Tom. G is in Gordon. ISTG. Okay.
1: Uh, ISTG. Uh, here. So this is coming after a proclamation that this hat.
0: Yeah. The Shadow Man is real. ISTG. Exclamation uh, point.
1: If so, the
0: I swear to God, maybe.
1: Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait! I swear to
0: God, yes, very good, Crystal. Is that? Do you think that's what it uh, is? That almost. I mean, in this contest, in this context, that probably says Okay, <laughs> continuing. Uh, when I was a kid, I would see the shadowy figure figure moving around my house, out of the corner of my eyes. When I look in its direction, it would disappear. I saw this thing repeatedly until I was six or seven. So. It was not does not seem Benadryl related. Okay. Okay. It didn't feel evil, just like it was watching me and was slightly annoyed. I never told anyone. About 10 years ago, my brother started talking about how he saw the exact same thing in that house. It seemed to be wearing a hat and a trench coat. He knew these details that I never even mentioned. When he told me about it, I had chills all over my whole body. This home coincidentally was built on top of what used to be a cemetery. We moved away from that place in 1991.
1: Well, I'm gonna have nightmares tonight. <laughs> Gosh, I mean, you know, it was um, it was one thing when you know you were talking about your like Benadryl man, right? Like, oh yeah, you down the right. Benadryl and yeah, you it's like see this thing, and then this this listener comes in with this letter, and it's like shit's getting real now. This is just like the beginning act of a horror movie, and now you guys are gonna be seeing him.
0: Well, and and so what I have to w- wonder here. Because remember how I said it's a common apparition the children see. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, the uh, listener wrote in and was telling a story of when they were a child. Um, so, I mean, what does that mean? Did the apparition stop appearing to them because they moved from the house? Or did the apparition appearing to stop appearing to them because they got older?
1: Right, because they would have been older... After moving from the house, because they do not age backwards, unlike Merlin.
0: Yes, <laughs> that is generally how that works. Yes. Yeah, and I'm also I'm also wondering about the age of the brother in the story. Is the brother younger or older? You know, is the brother saying that they were seeing he was seeing these things when he was like twelve or thirteen? You know, then that's something else you know yeah but two young children i'm not i mean i'm not trying to discount the experience of our our listener I'm, I'm certain that they did see these things but i'm also wondering you know why is this a you know why is this a phenomenon that seems pretty common like shadow people or the hat man or whatever yeah well you know
1: well i mean i i guess like when you're a kid you're more receptive to uh to supernatural phenomenon maybe
0: maybe i'm also thinking like when you're a kid um and i don't have a scientific source where i can back this up but your brain is your brain is not the pathways of your brain are not as rigid as they are when you're an adult Mm -hmm. so this is also why we don't let teenagers drive until they're older you know yeah get tattoos until they're 18 that sort of thing your brain truly your brain is not fully formed and some some uh scientists would say you know probably until your mid-20s even um, well, or so, you
1: know really honestly i kind of feel like i'm i've been permanently stuck at uh where i was at 19 for quite some time now <laughs>
0: um well, I definitely don't feel like I can retain new information the way that I could when I was a child. Oh, I mean, I've you oh know, yeah, my, bra- my got brain, my brain is definitely jingles. my brain
1: is definitely much slower. Like I, 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 yeah, I, squ- I squandered just, a lot of that. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I, I, well, I, it's also like I can't, I can't retain things as well as I used to
1: okay I, I I
0: you know what I mean yeah. like there's uh there's books that I read uh, when I was you know ten years old that I remember intensely and then something I read maybe last year I don't recall okay I you know? I feel
1: like I still still retain very strongly uh, I mean because I still notice I it's it's a very strange experience being me
0: <laughs> I bet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> understatement of the year right <laughs> I don't know how memory works for most people but uh-huh. it's kind of genuinely seems like I remember an excessive amount compared to others because uh-huh. I have many times now with many people still to this day There'll be times when I'm having a conversation with someone mm-hmm. and we've definitely discussed this well, whatever this, the topic was before.
0: Uh-huh.
1: and they seem to genuinely not realize it. So they're talking about stuff and I'm like, god, I this is like uh it's like I I know what the future or something because I know exactly where this conversation's going. Um Mhm. It, it, it's rather peculiar. Uh, so I, I don't know, like it it can't be that just I just know a lot of the people with a lot of like, I just know a disproportionate amount of people with memory issues or something. It's just, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's a cross cut of people across all sorts of places and, and experiences. And it's just sort mm-hmm. of genuinely, it feels like, you know, if, um, eight or nine months out <laughs> you know they'll, they'll remember some conversations but others they won't and mm-hmm. in some ways it's kind of neat because i can s- sort of do experiments and see like you know because sometimes you wonder you know like gosh i i feel like i really didn't express myself well in, you know in that when we were when i was talking about that thing or or whatnot or or when when you when you failed to deliver a clever stinger that you you only thought of afterwards. Yeah. I yeah. feel like I genuinely have had many experiences now where I'm able to do that. Where <laughs> <laughs> where I'm having this exact same conversation and I'm like, oh, uh-huh. I know exactly where I'm gonna put this joke in. And the and it uh-huh. and sometimes it hits really well. And I'm like I don't know. It feels like I'm, know, uh, yeah, I, I get, I, I'm getting a lot of second chances to redo conversations that didn't go so well the first time. So.
0: I mean, it sounds like you're kind of in a Star Trek episode.
1: Oh, like the one where the Enterprise kept blowing up. That's one of my favorites.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: anyway i i really led us afar uh yeah kids the neuro pathways and the- yeah
0: i think i think you know you're just your your brain is you know firing off in different areas um and and all over your brain is firing off and and i think you know I'm sure if you looked at the, if you did an MRI uh, or a CT scan or or something of a child, you know, like a six or seven year old child Mm -hmm. versus someone who's on like LSD. Okay. I feel like. It would be similar. The path. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like you would just see areas of the brain firing up that you wouldn't see in sort of a quote unquote normal scan of an adult brain.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: So. So what I'm what I'm saying is I think in I think there are things being revealed to children or experiences that stay with children. I mean, I still get upset about things that happened to me when I was a child. Um, I'll, I'll like rehash an argument from middle school and get or get embarrassed about something all over again. Whereas something that happened last week, maybe a conflict or whatever, I've already let that roll off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm carrying stuff around from 25 years ago, oh, 30 years ago. Oh, like, I. He- but I- last week was like whatever. I
1: hear you on that.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? So I just feel like when you're a child, you're just like a sponge, and your brain is just going in all these ways, and that's why it's like, you know, that's why when people have trauma as a child, it you know it influences them heavily as an adult. It's not like something you really get over. That's like becomes a a part of you, right? So whereas like trauma, I had some trauma last week. I mean, it sucked, but I, I'll I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's not going to become like a core part of my personality or anything. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: yeah, no, exactly. So
0: I, you know, as far as like shadow men and stuff like that, like, yes, I believe children are seeing these things. And I think maybe the adult, but I think that's just maybe just the brain firing off, right? Mm-hmm you're seeing these visuals you're seeing you're feeling these feelings your brain is working in a very different way than it will as an adult and um that is why in order to be in a receptive childlike learning state everyone should be doing hallucinogens (laughs) the end thank you for listening to our podcast (laughs) yeah uh the my thesis is do more drugs so you can be more receptive and empathetic as if you were a child the end Um, okay anyway you know
1: i I never encountered any anything even remotely like the you know shadow people or or anything that could be in that vein Uh i wonder if that was just because i i mean all kids watch tv but i watched a disproportionately large share of tv so yeah yeah you know, yeah I mean, maybe I just you know, whereas other kids their their brains were ready for you know were in a stage where they could have that experience since I was already mm-hmm. like just filling space up with episodes of Big right. Brother Jake, um uh-huh, yeah,
0: <laughs> you remember <laughs> Big Brother Jake? I don't. <laughs> Actually, you remember that? Um, um, you know, you know that
1: bodybuilder Jake something or whatever? He had like infomercials for like exercise stuff.
0: Did he have a ponytail? He may have. Okay.
1: Uh, Maybe. Okay. The, this this the same bodybuilder health person had a uh, sitcom on the
0: Family Channel. That was. Okay, yeah, you've lost me. I don't know any of these. With I don't know the Family Channel. I don't know.
1: Little Jake Rosner is all grown up. He's grown out, but not up. And he's come back home to help the woman who raised him raise a new generation of foster kids. He's Big Brother Jake tonight at six, 5 Central on the Family Channel.
0: My probably just was not on my cable carrier at that point, but yeah. yes, go on.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I just never had those experiences. Eh. I um, I my condolences I mean, I just, to everyone who got s- scared shitless for, <laughs> because they did though. Right. Holy shit!
0: Well, I mean, our our listener who wrote in doesn't talk about being too afraid. Really? Yeah,
1: they they said it was kind of just anno- an annoyance sort of thing. Yeah. So good for them.
0: Um, you know, I have shared uh, on this podcast before that I have seen things mm-hmm. as an adult, as a sober adult, even. So I don't know, maybe my own theory of apparitions and child brains and stuff goes out the window. Well, I don't know.
1: I mean, it can still be valid. It's just it's intersecting in with um, your your theories about events happening in a place and sort of electronically recording themselves onto that location and that's what yeah. people are seeing when they see ghosts or, or
0: yeah not um if you can't tell we're filling time because this was kind of like a really weak uh episode of unsolved mysteries in my humble opinion you know
1: what was strange about this episode was there was two segments that because we we had a vietnam uh loved one lost in vietnam sort sort of type segment and then a segment of like oh they seemed normal but <laughs> they turned out to be massive drug dealers and at the beginning yeah. of each segment, I was temporarily confused because I was like thinking that like am I watching an old segment because they're we've had similar sort of segments in the past on each of those and for mm-hmm. a brief time I, I thought like gosh, we're not gonna have anything to talk about if this is all just repeats um right So yeah um
0: so this is a I guess we might as well talk about it. this is season seven episode eight of Unsolved Mysteries.
1: I believe it leads Um, off with the Gott family, right?
0: You know, I want to point out something. Uh, I believe uh, recreational marijuana became legal in in Ohio recently, within the last four years. Okay. Just to add another layer to this. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. So Neil and Terry got. Uh, they have a child, and they live in. They lived in North Benton, Ohio. And um, there. Uh, I guess the FBI was on the phone. Um, of this known drug dealer, they tapped the line when the Gots or one or both of the Gots started calling this drug dealer in Akron, Ohio asking for a large amount of drugs yeah and then so that so the fbi is now on their case and they go and they look at the Gots uh power bill for their little farm out in north benton and find out that they have an electric bill in their barn of 1900 per month which i don't know seems pretty high
1: it does i mean i i'm assuming that, that if you're involved in agricultural work you're you're barn electrical bill is going to be higher than it will be for someone such as myself um right who's who's, oftentimes when i've had properties that had barns or sheds they were just basically left empty
0: (laughs) right um you know i mean i don't know how much electricity it takes to keep hay or horses but
1: i mean I assume the the lights more for like for the benefit of the horses than the hay. Right. Like they might yeah. find it soothing. I don't know. Anyway.
0: I don't know. Do you do you put a heater in there for the horses during the winter?
1: I, feel,
0: you know, I really. Or do they just get the horse blanket?
1: I really kind of feel like I just want to bring all the animals in into the house.
0: right? yeah
1: it's so it seems so cold out there let's let's all it's all let's all gather around, around in the kitchen and we'll all have cocoa it'll be like
0: yeah it's a, you're like the 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 guy in banshee's manager with his donkey in the house it,
1: oh you know i promised you i was going to check out that film and
0: yeah and you didn't clearly <laughs> um okay anyways <laughs> so uh yeah so the so the gots order at like eight ounces of cocaine which is a, that's a lot of coke guys um and so uh yeah so there's the power bill and yada 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 the fbi gets onto their case they um do a raid of the barn and they find a very sophisticated growing operation of quote-unquote dope uh, in the barn and uh unsolved mysteries has really done their best to reenact a, a grow house here. okay but um yeah it's basically just some kitty pools full of what looks like fortune plants and some uh school lights like the kind of hanging like in a cafeteria or something and those those agents um, in the
1: reenactment they are really intensely like they've got their guns drawn oh they yeah are, they, they're even though the, the the barn is clearly empty
0: <laughs> yeah they're yeah. it's pretty intense and i guess they also find some guns when they do the raid as well but we we don't know if they were illegally owned or i don't know yeah. um but by the time uh the agents get there um they also find that you know at this point i'm like jesus who cares they're growing pot Mm -hmm. you know because i live in the year 2023 and i live in a state where marijuana is legal and prolific very (laughs) widely available (laughs) and it's just like who cares right (laughs) right at this point also i'll just say this right now like anyone who's like on um still in jail or prison for marijuana related charges needs to be released immediately what are we doing concur this is this is so dumb it's just anyway i won't i won't get into the whole like um you know, the iniquities of who's getting locked up for those type of charges. But we all know. And and just, like, let, where, first of all, where are we as taxpayers paying to incarcerate people uh, for something that is now legal? It's just, it's punitive. It's overly punitive. Let, let people out on marijuana-related charges. It's very dumb. Okay. Uh, including people in Ohio. Because it's legal there. So the feds are really, like, amped up. And I guess at this point, they had um, used uh the gots in a way where they uh been listening to their phone lines so they they kind of had id to like a network of drug dealers in ohio mm-hmm. i guess and unsolved mysteries isn't really too clear
1: yeah it, i i i guess i miss
0: how all these people were charged right. right i kind of
1: missed out in the first uh i must have yeah not been paying close enough attention or something because when they when they do the little minibus thing where they pull Neil over and they confiscate his cocaine, Uh mm. and then they they said something like, and then we we let him go. And I was like, what? Because like, yeah, because they wanted him to go home and start blabbing on the phone, calling people. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I guess that's the implication there, but they don't they don't really discuss too much how they picked up all these other people in this network but anyway um so they they raid the grow operation they find some guns they arrest uh Neil and Terry Terry denies any involvement Neil is uh he's he's arrested but his parents post bail so he's out okay so then uh the you know that's the deal with bail you go post it and you go home and you just have to promise to show up to your court date of course they never show up to their court date so um they jump bail as they say and the cops go back to their house to find out what happened and at this point i'm like oh my god i could care less about <laughs> catching these people i just don't care yeah like wh- are they dangerous did they hurt somebody
1: i i definitely by the end of the segment i it was I never got a sense of danger from from them.
0: Um but then there's this little detail. They show up at the house the cops do. And they find a dead dog chained to a tree.
1: That yeah, that's and, that
0: And at this point I'm like throw the fucking book at them death penalty.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: right? They th- fuck these they people. They just left
1: the dog. Yeah. And-
0: they left the dog. They left the dog. Well, apparently, and then the co- in the reenactment, the cops are talking to a neighbor to being like, "What's going on here?" And the neighbor's like, "Oh yeah, I was going to look after. I was looking after the dog." I'm like, "Well, you were doing a very poor job of it, sir." Right, right.
1: I, um, I say that in addition to the to to Neil and Terry, let's throw the neighbor into prison too.
0: Yeah, all yeah. of them For, uh, forever. Goodbye. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. I guess, and then someone else uh, in the town, on behalf of Neil and Terry, had rented a U-Haul. This is another thing the cops find out, and that uh, Neil and Terry and their daughter had packed up and and left town. So that's where we're at, mm-hmm. basically. And the call to action is wh- where Neil and Terry got right. Yep. Um. Be, but I'm just like, what's? But I mean, yeah, the cops are uh, worked up here because they were selling dope, the grown dope but like what why why do i the viewer care if i saw like the dead dog thing is very upsetting yeah um but if i just like saw them in my town i'm not ca- i'm sorry i'm not calling the cops on that like if they hurt somebody sure if they're dangerous you know potential felons okay but like i'm not i'm literally not narking on these people
1: yeah it, it doesn't seem like Neil god is uh walter white in the making <laughs>
0: No, it really doesn't. Um. So anyway, of course, someone does narc on these people. <laughs> and uh, they were found um, doing another marijuana growing operation in Florida. And then they were arrested. But part of this whole thing with the GOTS is that the FBI was able to pick up a bunch of people in this network. Okay. Of Pot. And a little bit of coke, I guess. I'm not really sure. So, and then the gods went to prison for a little bit. And that was that.
1: Wow. Fantastic. Uh, the thing that sticks out most to me from this segment was in the reenactments the guy who was playing Neo, you know, because he has sort of a um, gray white hair look on him. He kind of reminded me of Max from the show from the show MTV's Catfish. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really all I have to contribute to this segment. <laughs>
0: uh. Um yeah, I mean okay. <laughs> that's pretty much my review of this segment. Just like, all right. What are we doing? mm-hmm uh i mean are we uh, and it's also interesting like why is unsolved mysteries choosing some stories of people jumping bail over others because this is happening all the time right yeah uh <laughs> so why this one
1: i don't know uh it, it it's at least they're more closer to their raison d'etre with this one than when we just get one of those state line segments where there's no call to action i was <laughs> like
0: right do you want to talk about ghosts? Quick question: Was this one of the ghost segments from the Ghost DVD that you have?
1: It it or it is not? present on the Ghost DVD. I feel like I almost certainly would not have shown it when we were, unless I don't know. Did we when we watched the ghost segments? Did we just like put put a disc in and hit play all?
0: Yeah, I think so. Oh, then then that I would. I don't okay. think I don't think we like skipped around anyway. okay
1: yeah this was definitely on one of those discs i know because when i would typically watch it on my own i would kind of just usually skip it ah <laughs> but yeah uh
0: yeah well i understand <laughs>
1: it's i mean it's a sweet segment but i feel like this is more yeah this is more this segment is in a way it's It's like if you, it's more of a mashup between Lost Love and Unexplained than,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: uh, so I mean, in a way, it's kind of sweet, uh, but not really what I'm looking for when, for a ghost segment. But yes, let's, let's, let's let's shoot our way over to wherever it was this family lives in. Michigan? Oh, okay. So just across the state border.
0: It's also interesting the timing of this incidents. I'm seeing okay here. Um, I I really did get a kick out of Teresa Wilson, who's the uh, matriarch of this family. Oh, enjoyed her. Yeah. Uh. Okay. So Margaret Locke is the daughter of Frank and Teresa Wilson. So Margaret Locke, nay Wilson um she this all of these people involved in the story are middle-aged or older so Mm -hmm. no this is not a child seeing anything um so back in 1981 um margaret is making a memory book for her mother who is about to have her 80th birthday yeah and so there's going to be a big party i guess uh teresa wilson doesn't know anything about the, the party or something i'm whatever and so margaret is putting this book together for her it's a very it's very nice she's doing this she's collecting things from the family yeah. i guess uh you know teresa and frank wilson um had what was it seven children
1: it was uh, seven and then like 40 grandchildren eventually right at least that by the time of the yeah, airing of this episode yeah
0: and then a bunch of great-grandchildren right yeah yeah, so it's a really big family. And um, Frank and Teresa, they were married for 34 years before Frank passed away um, of a heart attack. Um, and then he has been dead for 34 years. But at the time of the incident, it had only been 21 years. So when there, there, the incident happens in 1981. This I get really confused on the timing here. The incident happens in 1981, but they're interviewing the family about it in the early 90s, so 1994 or something, right?
1: Uh, shit.
0: Yeah. I. I'm, I mean, yes, that is what's happening. It's just again, unsolved mysteries is making it seem like the party just happened when it was actually like a, a, a while back. Years. Yes. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, <sighs> anyway, we're going back. When they and when they did time. the reenactment
1: of the party, that was with actual her, actual Teresa and the family members, right? Right. So, so I think that's what what helps contribute to the the sense of dislocation because it, yeah. it almost feels like you're since it's the actual people. It, it almost feels like you're seeing the you know the actual. <laughs> Retirement party. It's kind of it's kind of an odd meta moment for sure.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not a retirement party. It's her 80th birthday. They're not retiring their mother. Did I say retirement party? Yeah, you said retirement. Like she's retiring from her life. No. Oh she's God. Very much alive when they interview her for the segment. Uh so Teresa and Frank, they were married for 34 years at the time of the filming of the segment. Uh, frank had been dead for 34 years um at the time of her 80th birthday i guess it had been 21 or 22 years oh. that frank had been okay dead. okay that's what i was trying to get across here and i'm just was getting very confused by unsolved mysteries not really
1: yeah i like how i really like how anyway. when they were interviewing Teresa, she was like yeah w- once we pulled up to the where where was the party at? Like at Elk's Lodge or something. It was some.
0: It was like a yeah a celebration hall, a place where you would have a big right, party. Right, right.
1: She's like, yeah. yeah. Once we pulled up to that, I kind of knew what was going on. But
0: yeah, she's like, well, we went to a we went to a celebration hall, and it was my birthday. But you know, I played along. <laughs> Ugh. And also, like, don't surprise somebody for their eightieth birthday. I guess she wasn't surprised, <laughs> but don't do that. Were they trying to kill her? Kill her? What? Don't don't sneak up on eighty year olds. Don't do that. Just rude. Understood. Um, okay, so Teresa and Frank had been very close, though while they were married, they seemed to like it was not like just one of these things where they knew each, you know. They they seem to have truly loved each other, yeah. from what I can tell. Um, and then so Teresa seeing Fr- uh, back in 1960, Teresa seeing Frank off to work, going through their normal routine. You know, she says she kisses him, and and he says goodbye, sweetheart. And that's the last words that he ever s- speaks to her. This is important because fast forward to 1981, where Margaret, the daughter, is having a sleepless night, and she wakes up. In the middle of the night, to see an apparition of her father floating through her bedroom doorway. He mm-hmm. um, guess he was all glowing, you know the use, the huge, yeah. Uh, and he says to Teresa, "Hey, write, take this down. I want you to write a letter to uh, to wait." He says to Margaret, his daughter, "He says I want you to write a letter to Teresa, my wife." And so Margaret takes down everything that he says and she goes back to sleep i guess
1: apparently
0: I, it, I don't know that i could go back to sleep after yeah, that. it's but. kind of
1: interesting they don't have at some point her being like hey dad do you want to say anything to me or <laughs> but i i guess you know she knew it was for the party yeah. so <laughs> yeah that's yeah
0: uh and so she writes this as she wakes up the next morning thinking, well, that was a really vivid dream and then she sees that this letter she had taken down um, was sitting by the bed. Mm-hmm. So she adds it to her book that she's making for her mother and then the, the book is presented to Teresa at her birthday party and Teresa uh, recalls, reading the letter and she was just thinking, Oh, she was thinking one of her kids did it sort of as a, just a nice thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Just like what they think their dad may have said. uh,
1: Yeah. I I totally, if, if in her situation, it it would, it would, it would be something that would make sense. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, but there were a little couple of little things in the phrasing of the letter. Like it was addressed to Tress, which is what, frank called teresa i guess throughout their marriage um yeah and then other things like saying he wishes he could give her all these jewels and stuff and then he said he signed it you know goodbye sweetheart which i guess were his last words Uh, you know none of this is like information i wouldn't expect that the kids wouldn't have obviously they lived in the home Mm -hmm. with Frank and Teresa, they would have overheard her calling overheard him calling her trust or sweetheart or whatever. And I don't really think it's that weird
1: yeah, I um, I have to admit my my thought on this was if, if if you care to hear what my speculation is is Margaret when she was putting together the scrapbook was like, hmm decided to include a a section where there's a, what a letter of what, you know, uh, her father may have said to, uh, for the party, you know, for, for, for the party. And that's how it was intended. And that's maybe how it was more or less originally received by the mother. Uh, but then she noticed a couple of things that made the things she cited that made her think something else was going on. And she voiced that to Margaret, who was just like, uh, yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> dad, dad came and visited me and he said all this stuff. All right. mm-hmm. That's kind of how I picture it. I Sure. Yeah.
0: Why not? Um, Teresa also says she wishes that Frank had come to visit her. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's there's too many things with sort of like Margaret's description of like the white glowing, him levitating, him disappearing. Yeah, it's just like this is too much like a movie. Like we've seen this on television before. Yeah. Um. You know, and the other thing is, it's like, well, once you've told the lie now, I guess you got to run with it. And why not be on TV? (laughs) That's kind
1: of how I feel what's going on. And that in a way, like all the parties involved kind of are of the same mindset. And it's just like, I can't. Uh uh, They just don't want to say anything. (laughs) So it's just this self-perpetuating thing that now is going on. But it was still still a sweet little segment. And I'm glad she got. Yeah,
0: it's like, oh, that's nice. You know? Eh. Eh, <laughs> but well, I guess we The hits keep on coming, huh?
1: Yes. We got one more segment left to do This one uh, we're, we're, we're leaving the Midwest and we're going to Vietnam Basically this segment is about Robert Borton Jr. Uh, like so many young men uh, ended up in Vietnam in the 60s Uh, He this this is one of those situations where we've had several segments like this. (coughs) There's a little bit of ambiguity as to whether he was killed in Vietnam or captured. Um, And this segment just sort of play like we sort of start out with his father who's describing running into military or government officials who keep trying to get him to sign a piece of paper that basically says, like, yeah, I believe my son was died in Vietnam and isn't a POW. Uh, the 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 sort of presumed reason for this being that the U.S. government's position was at some point in the winding down of the war and the negotiations and whatnot that we had gotten all of our POWs back, and so anyone who was missing and didn't get returned is presumed to have been killed in action rather than being a prisoner. Uh, so his Kurt's father describes getting hit hard, uh, not physically, but like metaphorically uh, by these officials keep, co- you know, coming at him like, Hey, look, sign this thing, sign this thing. And they, they're, they're saying stuff like, you know, like, Hey, you know, if you sign <laughs> it, if you, you, we, your son's actually alive, but if you sign this thing where you say you think he's dead, it will work out much better for him. <laughs> and I couldn't, I, I felt like this. I felt like this was like th- these were, and we've seen previous segments on this show where you know someone who's maybe really young or just doesn't understand. Uh, a legal situation is being told, sign these papers and what you want will happen, even though the papers you're signing are saying, the, you know, they're you're actually admitting something completely different. And eventually so eventually Robert's father signs these papers and then he subsequently gets like a forty two thousand dollar check in the mail and he describes apparently, according to the narration, unsolved mysteries narration. It wasn't until what, like a decade later, he told the rest of his family about all this. So that actually kind of made me start to feel highly suspicious that, like, he signed the paper. He signed the papers to get the check and kind of just made up all the high pressure stuff happening to him maybe or 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 yeah. exaggerated it
0: yeah and i think uh, you know i really uh, we can get to this at the end but throughout this segment they're interviewing who i assume is like a pr person for the marines uh who's <laughs> like basically we don't we're not going to approach you in a parking lot in plain clothes we're going to come to your home If you request it in our uniforms to do this sort of thing, we don't do that. And yeah, that makes me wonder, like, did the check actually have anything to do with the papers he signed? We actually see a copy of the papers that he signed. But one of the big tells here, too, is that Unsolved Mysteries halfway through the segment lets us know that um, Robert Sr. is functionally illiterate okay now no judgment but i you know are the documents that we're looking at the same ones that he signed in this parking lot do the documents have to do anything with the check even that he received
1: it's uh yeah there's a lot of ambiguity
0: yeah and because it's 10 years after the fact before he tells anyone
1: i mean yeah for me that like my immediate suspicion was like, Oh, he got this check and he just blew all the money on himself. And.
0: Right. I'm not like, it's very suspicious. The other thing before we even get to the high pressure campaign and the parking lots or whatever, is that there's a couple of, uh, there's a picture that's run in a paper and then another still that's pulled from a military film of POWs from Vietnam. Uh, both of which they're claiming are images of their son, supposedly after he was MIA or killed in action. Mm-hmm. So, um, Robbie, do you did you find any resemblance between the picture of their son and these other pictures that are?
1: I you know I feel like in some of the previous segments we've watched that were around similar subject matter. Where and, and uh, like thing, an issue comes up of like, oh, here's pictures, and one of these is our son. I I feel like in those previous circumstances that it's like, uh, well, I mean, he, I guess there's a resemblance in that he's the same gender, ethnicity, and age range, but yeah, and, and and plus in a way, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like people in pit old pictures from. 60 plus years ago uh, 60 or 70 Mm -hmm. years ago and backward onward backwards that the the men Uh kind of all just look alike and the women just kind (laughs) of all look alike
0: sure (laughs) yeah to
1: a certain degree and yeah i i don't know like i didn't i could see where they would you know see maybe see this image be like that's that's our boy but then i don't know it didn't at least to my eye it didn't seem
0: he didn't look at all yeah. like i thought and i also assume i also think the two pictures that they're picking out don't look similar to each other <laughs> either i don't think those two are the same people and even the 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 marine officer who's explaining all this says no we know who those people are they have been identified we know exactly who those people are in the picture and in the still from the um prison camp video Mm. okay yeah we we know who they are they've been positively identified neither one of them is uh kurt borton jr you know yeah so already that's where we're starting and i don't see the resemblance but the family's like insisting i'm like yeah i think you're again you're grieving family you're gonna see what you want to see You want to believe that there's hope because you didn't really get a definitive answer. Like MIA is not a definitive answer. Yeah. Right. No, absolutely. It isn't. It sucks. It's ambiguous. Like I get it. But like the reality is the military has identified these, the men in the pictures that you're saying as your son and neither one of them is your son. Um, So there was that. And then there was the whole parking lot pressure campaign and the check um, and then the, the, now the daughter's getting involved, right?
1: Right. Uh, the, the daughter's involved. Uh, was it, was it her, her, uh, her, her husband who was like accidentally came across some sort of vaguely related information and like someone came up to him outside of a building and shoved a gun in his side and was like
0: no it's her cousin oh, cousin cousin that's right yeah it was a cousin because they like then they interview the cousin in shadow because the cousin's like too afraid of <laughs> being identified or whatever the fuck i, I don't know like with, um, with his
1: story it kind of seemed like he just like he came across some documents or something and looked at them and somehow this like homeless looking agent of the government psychically new like like a a a telepathic trigger was 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 alerted it was like oh he's seen something so i better make some threatening comments um
0: yeah i'm thinking i'm thinking here's the whole thing with the cousin because the cousin also gets quote unquote followed Mm -hmm. for like two months from his home to his workplace um i think possibly the cops were looking at the cousin for something completely unrelated
1: oh that's always a possibility
0: (laughs) you know what i mean like this is completely unrelated like you're being followed maybe you're not even being followed i don't know this whole family seems goddamn paranoid too they do like i i feel like if i could guess I mean, if they were alive, anyone, if I feel like if I could guess uh, if they were on the QAnon boards at this point, yeah, I would say yes.
1: High probability.
0: You know what I mean? Like, I think they have some, you know, predisp- dispensation to not trust the government and also just kind of like spin together um, unconnected things, things into a, narrative. a greater narrative. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, so the cousin gets is getting followed or whatever. I'm not even sure that has anything to do with anything. But, yeah, what he was doing at his job is, so at some point the family starts going to Washington, D.C. to look through records or whatever. And as, again, the military officer who pops in to explain, yeah, as we get more information, we add things to a file. But often who we're interviewing are... Um, you know, Vietnamese people who went through a very traumatizing period of their lives. They're not remembering exact dates of things or, you know, yeah. and we're 20 years after the fact. So if we get more information, we will add it to the file. But the way that the sister is interpreting it is like, well, they're constantly changing their story. And it's like, that's not what's happening.
1: Right, right.
0: They are just adding context and information to what the official government position is, which is he was killed or. MIA and they've now changed it to killed because it is so much time after the fact. Yeah. It, you can reasonably assume he was killed during Vietnam. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, but well and here and then, uh, but then here's here, here's where the interesting wrinkle comes in because then she starts claiming to to have seen her brother. Right? Right. Like she she was yeah. com- she was going out to her car and some guy was Uh, You know, standing next to his car with a as the as the show points out uh, works to to underline an attractive blonde was seated in the passenger side of the car, and this Mm -hmm. this guy says something like "Looks like you're snow today," and you know this is during a a non snowy sort of seasonal day, right? And gets in his car and drives away and the sister is like was that was robert and it just and then apparently the same guy is driving driving a i i i i don't know if they necessarily said this was on the same day but it feel feels like that the the reenactment suggesting as such he didn't well while, while she's driving he drives up next to her and he has the window rolled down um and so, this uh, this is this this. Apparently, he's he's back. He's back in the United States.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: So, and then there's an account of like she took her daughters to the Vietnam War Memorial, and I this was an interesting just little bit of information that Unsolved Mysteries just shows depicted. I guess when you go there, because, you know, when you go to a, like a national park or something, uh, they have the little guide to the park. And it along one side, there's a black strip with white writing telling you, you know, with the name of the park. And so she has, you know, she has this thing where, you know, it has the name of the Vietnam War Memorial in that format. But then instead of a guide, it's like a piece of paper that you can then use to et- like etch uh the 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 person's name onto and i was, i didn't realize that was a thing mm-hmm. so that that's really neat uh
0: that is neat i was i yeah i went i've been to the vietnam uh war memorial wall and um i don't remember them having those things available no.
1: well maybe the, that but <laughs> it's yeah. cool but then <laughs> when after she comes out of the restroom her kids and her see at a distance, what she believes to also be her brother. Uh, some guy standing there and her old daughters, particularly your oldest daughter, is like, come on, that's 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 Robert and you know, it's Kurt or I think does he go by Kurt more often? Than mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Kurt. It's Kurt. It's Kurt. Kurt, come on. And and they're pulling on their mom's arms. But she like in the interview says something along the lines of, I'd been warned that this guy could be really dangerous. So I, I decided not to go approach him. And I was like, wait, who warned you that who warned you that he was dangerous? Is it these like, ne- like nefarious government people that are intercepting people in parking lots? That they come and tell you, like, hey, if you're bro- if the guy you think is your brother... It's-
0: yeah, this totally goes um, unquestioned, by unsolved mysteries. Right. Unsupported. Yeah, like, what are you even talking about, lady? Right,
1: yeah, yeah. And and so it's so funny because her the whole raison d'etre of this family is like, the government's lying to us. But the one thing you believe them on is like, if you see your brother, don't approach and talk to him because he can be dangerous. Or this guy who looks like your brother. I mean, that's really, I mean, that's about all there is to this segment, right?
0: It's it's a bunch of events that happen mm-hmm. that have been we, woven into a narrative of this family about how the government is lying to us. And, like, the sister spins out this whole thing about how Kurt was brought back in the special program by the U.S. government to do special ops And that his identity, he had to assume a new identity and all the stuff. And then they cut, I'm so glad they did this. They cut right back to the Marine officer saying, yeah, first of all, that program doesn't exist, never did. Two, (laughs) Kurt was a 19-year-old with, had been six months on the job, no special language skills, no special skills to speak of. He would not be identified as someone who would be valuable for that type of covert operation. And I just just point by point, this the marine officer lays it out. Look, this isn't something we do. Even if we did do something like this, he wouldn't be a viable candidate for it. None of this makes any sense. Right? Yeah. Because what? So what this family is saying is like, yes, it's very. I'm very sad for them. This is a terrible thing. But uh, I, I'm a, I'm really glad Unsolved Mysteries at least got the military to speak on record about this because otherwise this is just like a massive conspiracy theory that this family has spun out and connected a bunch of dots where there is no connection um out of grief obviously right yeah right now we're in the denial and bargaining stage (laughs) of the grief um but you know i also wanted to say about the social security uh trace that um the cousin was Mm -hmm. doing Uh, yeah. So here's the thing. My family's business was pre-employment background investigations. I have run many on my own social security traces. Uh, I don't remember what the software at the time was called, but here's what happens. Social security trace will only pick up a hit and a number, there's a number of circumstances where a social security number will return a record. Okay. Okay. Uh, one of those things is if you've ever tried to collect social security benefits, Okay. okay. Another one of these is if you've ever tried to collect survivor's benefits. Another way that this will show up in multiple times is if somebody has stolen your social security number. Um, and this happens a lot of times when people are in the country illegally and then try to collect benefits in your name. Um, credit checks. If you have ever applied for credit, the social security trace will run something back when you run it through the system. Mm-hmm. So in the case of the cousin at the security company, and I don't know how long he had been there, he puts in Kurt's social security number, and he gets invalid record. We're not, I'm not really sure if that's what it actually said. It might have said no record found.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: This is very common with people who have never applied for credit. People who have never applied for social security benefits. People who have never p- applied for survivors benefits. Okay, if you
1: those criteria are all, all seem to be applicable to. Many 19-year-olds.
0: Yes. Kurt was 19 when he went missing. There was no reason um, for him to have a record come back if he were to run a social security number. Yeah. The other part of this that doesn't make any sense is they're saying that Kurt came back with this new identity. Does that mean, is the implication that the social security administration erased all records of Kurt ever existing. Is that what they're trying to say here? It does seem because no record was found to
1: be their suggestion. Right.
0: But that doesn't make any sense because there's a big fat file at the Pentagon. That's being consistently added to about what happened to (laughs) Kurt Borden. Right. That they're able to, the family's actually able to review. So what is it? Is he being erased by the government? Are they lying about what happened to him? (laughs) like none of this internally even makes sense
1: it's as murky as that as as his father's story about that
0: check <laughs> yeah i mean there's just there's just a lot of shit a lot of shit going on yeah. in this family, man. and like look i i feel for them obviously the loss of their son and brother is, is tragic and and terrible as were the loss of the other what 68000 mm mhm Americans that died during the Vietnam. And that was sort of the thing that hit me the most about the segment. It's like every once in a while you get reminded of that number. And it's like god, that was so many people. That
1: yeah, was, yeah.
0: You know what I mean? That was a lot of people.
1: Like when you when you but yeah, other, like when you contrast that to I mean, how many people how many Americans died in Iraq? Like
0: Iraq I don't know I know in Afghanistan I think the number is around 3400 and that's over the course of 20 over years over the being course there.
1: of two decades yeah right So,
0: yeah so I mean Vietnam was fucking bloodbath man that it's fucked up for sure um but yeah I don't know and then I just was just getting re- like this was the entire back half of the episode
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> is is kind of. I mean, I'm I'm really glad they included the military on this too. But how many people who lost a loved one or had s- someone who was MIA in Vietnam or another war, because this isn't the first time Unsolved Mysteries has done this, who are like suddenly who were at peace are suddenly like, well, what if that's not really what happened? And I really think this is kind of one of those segments that were like that does a lot more harm than good. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're there's a bunch of spurious to use a research methods (laughs) term. There's a lot of spurious data points here that like the family is connecting the dots between it's like, but there really probably isn't any connection between any of those things that happen.
1: Yeah. Um, It's rather unfortunate for them. I'm sorry for the the loss of their their son and brother. Um, And if, you want to express your own condolences, head on over to our email. Okay. <laughs> Reactivepod at right. gmail.com. Send us an email. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. and you know, like because and I'm glad that some of you have. It's it's fun to hear hear about yeah, your shadow I love it. experiences, even if,
0: No, yeah, it's great. Yeah. I love it. I'm drinking coffee and then I'm doing a spit take, uh, <laughs> reading these emails in the morning.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then uh Patreon, um, Mosey over there, there's the one dollar tier for just general support. And then five dollar mm-hmm. tier, occasionally there's rewards. Uh,
0: you know, I think as a treat, maybe, just maybe. This week, I will put a very special mini-sode just for the Patreon at the $5 tier. I will put that up on our feed on Patreon. So it's patreon.com slash reenactedpod. I'm going to put this week. I'm going to do it. What do you think about that? Is that
1: that this week for us or this week for the (laughs) listeners?
0: Um, I'm not (laughs) sure. I'm just buying myself a little bit of time. But... uh, yeah, by the time this comes out, I uh, I feel like it's going to be up oh, on Patreon. Cool. I feel like you can cruise over there and get a um, special track that we recorded God knows how long ago at this point. A while ago, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the important part that the patrons know is that we're always thinking about them. Even if we don't Let me tell you,
1: do it anything. It consumes my thoughts a lot. Oh, oh boy.
0: Yeah, so I feel like maybe this is this is the week. Okay. Let's just put something up. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, Robbie, do you want to do the thing?
1: Join us next week for another edition of unsolved mysteries.